Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it is December the 12th. Yes, it is. Which means we are in the merry month of December, celebrating all types of holiday films. And tonight, it's Vincent's turn to select our film to review. Yes, and he is. is select a rare occasion for Vince to select a recent release. But it's one that has been on the lips of people for weeks now since it dropped on Amazon Prime. That is Eddie Murphy, Tracy Ellis Ross, leading a huge cast in Candy Cane Lane. Yes. But first, we want to say hello to each and every one of you out there who are watching as we stream live from Yunk Junk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace. As we stream to YouTube and to Facebook and to all points north, south, east, and west, and to everyone out there in the chat. Good evening, one and all. Vincent, how are you doing, my I friend? I am fine. Yeah, I am fine. Doing good? Yeah, getting ready for the holidays. Yeah. I'm running around, so, you know, good running around. I'm fine. And yourself? I'm doing the same. I actually will be this weekend uh, taking a trip to Pittsburgh for a long overdue visit with my daughter and my grandson. Very nice. Very nice. I have an aunt who uh, lived in, lives in Pittsburgh. So I I, I like Pittsburgh. I've never been Pittsburgh a lot. I've never been. So she promised comic shops. Oh, really? Yeah. Good comic shops. Any one come to mind? I I can't think of the name of the one that I'm, but I'll tell you offline. But, but if I remember, and in full disclosure, I haven't been to Pittsburgh and probably, Five or six years. I've never been. Yeah, so. but what I do remember is it had the components of those wonderful um, kind of Rust Belt cities where where the the um, the real estate wasn't as crazy, mm-hmm. so that comic shops could have these big shops. So it'd be nice size. Yeah. The stuff with a lot of back issues. Exactly. That's what you love. Exactly. So back issues stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that big time. Um, We uh, are going to get into our show, ladies and gentlemen, Mm -hmm. our review of Candy Cane Lane. But first, we want to catch up on some of the news and some of the unfortunate recent passings. Yeah. That have had quite a a number. You know, they they always say that when the celebrities go, they go in threes. Yes. Um, And... They went in threes as far as in the world of the Michelle mission. Um, we'll start with the one that is probably, um, you know, I don't know, probably hasn't touched on the Michelle mission that, actually that much. And that's Ryan O'Neill. Yeah. He passed away like at, at 82 years yeah. old, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a real surprise. Um, I'm, I like Ryan O'Neill. When I've seen him, sure, but he always looked like you know, like you know, like maybe the mirror universe Robert Redford. You know, I have to say, Ryan O'Neill was one of those actors that I think I knew him more because of his personal life. Oh, and his longtime relationship with Farrah Fawcett, yeah, than I did his actual work. Well, I mean, I know he was in Love Story, he's in Love Story, and he's the he was the star of uh, Paper Moon. Right, right, and he's Tatum. Right, he's Tatum's with his, dad with his uh, Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill's it, but yeah, yeah, 
And then he's married to Farrah Fawcett. Right, right. Yeah, you're right. Well, you well, well but, but it, you know. It's a shame. It's a shame. Sorry. It's always a shame. Any, any passing diminishes us. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, he was 82 years old, but mm-hmm. not to be outdone. Um, one of the greats of sitcom history. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Norman Lear. Yeah. An, an actual monument. Yes. Like you're saying one of the greats. He's like one of the, not even one of the. He may I would be. Say he's the, the architect. He may be. The, of modern comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Passed away at the age of 101 years old. Absolutely. Um, and when Vince says that he is the architect, ladies and gentlemen, not mincing words, the man, you know, was the 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 brain behind All in the Family, mm-hmm. which many consider one of the greatest, the greatest sitcom and one of the greatest television shows. Yeah. Yeah. Of all time. Um then he was the brains behind one of the funniest TV shows of all time, Sanford and Son. Yeah, my my all time favorite show. Um, and then we're not even talking about all of the the sequels that came from All in the Family. Yeah, Maud, mm-hmm. uh, the Jeffersons. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was Maud. Good times. Good times. So, Tons. Of, I mean, yeah. the, and 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 this was the archetype. Why did I just forget? This is it. This is it. Oh, one day at a time. One day at a time. I, for, I forgot about one yeah. day at a time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the other. Thing. Yeah, at one time he probably had like about six shows on air at one time. Sure, and he certainly, again, altered the speed and the tone mm-hmm. of sitcoms. He did. Like, 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 if, if you and the language and the language, which, which is really kind of captures everything that I'm saying. Like, like when you, when you look at the history of sitcoms, there really is a marked difference mm-hmm. in what sitcoms looked, sounded, as you said, the language before and after Norman Lear. Yep, yep. And a lot of what we talk about now with sitcoms is kind of built on the foundation that he set up. I mean, after Norman Lear, I mean, what, I mean, would you go to Brandon Tartikoff? Like, is there, is there anyone? Brandon Tartikoff, maybe James Burroughs, the guy who did Cheers, and then thus was a producer on Frasier. Here's and the thing about, Taxi. Here's the thing about, okay, and Taxi, here's the thing about Cheers and Taxi. I always felt like they were their own things. Well, I mean, but like, 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 I can't think of sitcoms that they influence, like that you could look like maybe Night Court. I mean, even Night Court. I mean, considering I mean, we've already jumped off Norman Lear, but considering the the ensemble that those shows were. Sure. You you could say Night Court presented an ensemble afterwards, like ensemble. you, You could almost. I think the breadcrumbs from Cheers to something like Friends are right there. Because Friends, while it was just four, it was still an ensemble. Right. It was an right. ensemble star, um, cast. Cheers actually morphed into an ensemble. Right. And, and was able to continue being such a great, great show. Right. And Frasier, while built around one particular character, 
was still very much it was all about the ensemble. Right. Taxi was built around one character. It was really built around Judd Hirsch, but it then became about well, the, even the ensemble. Beside, I'm talking about just sort of the way it shot, the 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 actual speed of the sitcom. Yeah, like, I mean, like, like the, 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 and then it inspired the like shows like jokes. You, we said like Night Court, then it inspired, which then begets Spin City. You know, so I think it definitely did. Okay, it, all right. It, it, it influenced. And that would be before Brandon Tartikoff. No, Brandon Tartikoff probably is before them. Right, okay. Brandon Tartikoff is probably that, is probably that midpoint between Norman Lear and whatever comes in the wake of the Cosby show. Right. Tartikoff right. is probably, Tartikoff is probably. In Tartikoff the, is also family ties though, right? He is. He is. Another, but another name in sitcoms that just came to me is and, and worth definitely putting in this uh this conversation is Gary Marshall. Because he did Happy Days, yeah. Laverne and Shirley, Shirley Morgan, Morgan Mindy. Mindy. Yeah. But again, I'm thinking about like again, I'm not talking about things that they Actually created necessarily. No, but the, the inspiration the wave that followed. Them. Yeah, but, yeah. But you're right, Gary. Mar- I mean, Gary Marshall. I mean, even something like close, close for comfort, too close for comfort, or bosom buddies had that Gary in um, uh, the, see, or like the, perfect strangers. Like, like they there. All, you may be talking about the Brandon Tartikoff influence. They felt like Gary Marshall shows to me, really. And I don't necessarily have the precise language why. But like you look at things, but Norman Lear, like Norman, they, they all get something from, the, said, and all, from right, Norman. They, they would all bow to Norman Lear. Yeah. And and it is a colossal loss. I was saying before we started, I am contractually bound. Whenever Norman Lear comes up to talk about Eric um, Monty, Eric Monty, mm-hmm. who who wrote um, Cooley High. And had a pretty acrimonious falling out with Norman Lear and accused Norman Lear of stealing ideas mm-hmm. from him for the Jeffersons, for Sanford and Son, for Good Times. Yeah. Uh, famously. And, and you know, I apologize. I, you know, I know Norman Lear, there was something with his production company, I think, that connected him to what's happening. But what's happening famously had to acknowledge Eric um, Monty, Eric Monty as a creator after a lawsuit, and Eric Monty always said that he was blacklisted because mm. of his falling out with Norman Lear. Norman Lear always denied all of it. He did, but I did always kind of wonder where good, like how Good Times and the Jeffersons came out of Norman Lear. Like he a genius, but huh. well. The one thing I do know about Norman Lear is that he, while he was a writer, mm-hmm. he he was, and he he even said this, he was a producer first. Sure. So he sure. would develop writing rooms. So I don't think Norman Lear would ever say that. It came out of him. It came out of him. Right. You know what I mean? But he was the one that stirred the ship and made, made right. it happen. You know? Eric Monty would say he was the one. Actually, and he, laying down the map, and so, but regardless, it it is a colossal loss. Yeah, it is a colossal loss, it and is. he will be missed. He will be. lived a good life. 
He certainly did. Lived a good life. And Eric Monty's stuff aside, it seems like he was a pretty good dude. Mm-hmm. He seems like he was a good man. So, And another loss, and this is maybe a, definitely a little closer <laughs> yes. to the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, is the loss at 87 years young of mm-hmm. one David McKnight. Oh, and who was that? Now, this is a name that you, some of you may recognize. Um, he had a, pro, a pretty prolific career in television in the 70s and 80s, um, appearing on Kojak, mm-hmm. Hill Street Blues, mm-hmm. The Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. Dynasty. All right. Benson. All right. L.A. Law, mm-hmm. 227. Mm-hmm. But no place like home. He is his big claim to fame were appearing in the five heartbeats. Who did he play in the five heartbeats? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, he, I will tell you who he played in a, a five heartbeats in a, in a little bit. Did he play Eddie King Sr.? Give me a moment. Okay. But his true claim to fame mm-hmm. was as the title character in 1976's J.D.'s Revenge. Yes. Um, where he played the deceased hustler who takes over the body of college student Glenn Turman yes. and goes after the man who it's murdered him and his high. sister 30 years, 30 years earlier. Um, so David, David McKnight is definitely a name that we, we want to honor here on the Michelle mission. Absolutely. Uh, now you ask whether or not, not who was who he, he play in the five heartbeats? No, you know who I think he plays. I think he plays Choir Boy's father. Like, I think he plays the preacher. He also appeared in Hollywood Shuffle, which is where he met um, Robert Townsend. Yeah. And went on to do uh, work with the man. He also appeared in The Parenthood. Robert Townsend always found time for for Mr. McKnight. Mm-hmm. He... Yep, that's him. Boom. I found it. Because I just looked up the uh, part in the Five Heartbeats where Choir Boy went to get on the bus with the Five Heartbeats. And, and his <laughs> father, you can't serve two masters. And he gave him the Bible. And, and then Choir Boy got on the bus. But then Choir Boy left the bus, left the Bible near the phone because Choir Boy was chasing the ladies. <laughs> and remember Choir Boy, had, he said he had a new stage name. His name was Rock. What was his name? Like Rockstone? Yes. He was very yes, subtle. Yes. Yes, I remember that. Um, yes, he plays Choir Boy Senior. Perhaps Choir Man. <laughs> we also have one other name close yes. to the uh, Michelle Mission. Um, hasn't shown up on the Michelle Mission, and also, I, I, it's hard pressed whether or not she will or not. But I was about to say, was she in movies? Ellen Holly yeah. mm-hmm. passed away on December 6th. Um, she is famously known as Carla Gray Hall on the ABC soap opera One Life to Live. Yeah. Where she appeared from 1968 to 1980 and then again from 83 to 85. And uh, Ellen Holly is noted as the first African-American to appear on daytime television in a leading role. Mind you, that is the first African-American, not the first African-American woman. Yeah. The first African-American. Yeah, that's To appear right. 
in a lead role on a, an American uh, soap opera. As I mentioned, she passed away in, uh, on December 6th at the tender age of 92 years young. That's right. Ellen Holly. And yeah, almost all of her work was on uh, television. As in television, she appeared in a few small films in the 70s and 80s. Yes. Most of it was on television. Yeah. So rest in peace to her as well. Most definitely. All right. All right. In 1963, America's Georgia, 15 black girls joined a protest. One for the matinee, please. Negroes, get your tickets in the back. We just want tickets to see the show. Here comes a whole mess of tickets for each and every one of you. No, 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 no. Based on a true story, Push Black presents The Stolen Girls of Americus. Listen and follow on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcast. Let's keep the train moving, ladies Mm -hmm. and gentlemen. Rolling, rolling, rolling. And with that, let us get into your emails. Oh. What else is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. We have emails, Vincent, and our first one is from Nick Nicholas. Hey, what's up, Nick? Right in time for the season. That's right, St. Nick. What's up, Len and Vince? My name is Nick, and I am a huge fan of this podcast, A Fellow Missionary. Oh, good to hear, Nick. I recently listened to the Harlem Knights episode. Okay. And I can see why Vince thinks Harlem Knights is the weakest black film from Eddie Murphy's canon. The writing was subpar and the direction of the movie was okay. It definitely was a vanity project on Eddie's behalf. Mm -hmm. And that's from his classic work because it's clearly not his weakest work. (laughs) Right. Right. We'll be discussing that later in the evening. I have a new top five for both of you called top five. What ifs in black cinema? Oh, okay. Examples are what if Jacqueline and Marcus from boomerang actually ended up together despite them being the, despite them being the same person or what if Mookie didn't do the right thing? Mm. I thought it would be a cool concept to try out and discuss. Happy holidays, brothers. Salute, Nick. All right. Top five what ifs in what black if? cinema? It's funny because the ones that he named, they've kind of dealt with. <laughs> if not the what ifs, but kind of what happens afterwards. Did, did you watch the uh, Boomerang television show? No. At all? No. Me either. But I know one of the characters was Marcus and... Not Jacqueline. What was Haley Berry's character's name? Anyway, one of the characters was their child. Okay. And then, you know, the the two kind of postscript do the right thing things. One is um, Red Hook Summer is supposed to take place within 
That universe. That universe. Oh, okay. And I don't know if you remember, but there was a little buzz in the because it was remember it was very lo-fi mm-hmm. in in the advertising, but they said it was a quasi sequel. semi sequel, and it kind of teased that it would connect somehow. And the only real connection was Mookie shows up at the end of the film in a montage mm. of fathers and sons, and it's Mookie holding. A little, you know, a, a a young boy. Okay. But the interesting thing is <clears throat> he's wearing a Sal's Pizzeria jersey. Oh. So the implication is that Sal rebuilt and Mookie went and worked for him again. Interesting. And then the other one, it's been like two, three years now. This is a spoiler, y'all. But okay, so if you have plans on watching the... um. She's got to have a television show that was on for two or three seasons. Plug up your ears because I'm about to give you a spoiler. So Anthony Ramos plays Mars Blackman on the The the, TV series. On the TV series, um, She's Got to Have It. Mm -hmm. Mars is the character that Spike Lee played in the movie. Yes. She's got to have it. But in the television show, it's modern day. It's just, they've just moved all of the characters to modern day. So it's the same story, but it's just in it, today's Right. Today's like the first time. couple of episodes are basically a remake of She's Got to Have It set in like 2017. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of spun out from there. Anthony Ram- Ramos again plays Mars Blackman. Mm-hmm. I think the show was on for two seasons, maybe three seasons. I feel like it was two, but go ahead. The last episode or the next to last episode in the last season, Anthony Ramos's character, his Mars Blackman goes to visit his mother who is living in Puerto Rico. He visits his mother and his mother is played by Rosie Perez. Oh, interesting. During the conversation, this character played by Rosie Perez, who he just calls mom, mm-hmm. says to him, the man that you think is your father is not actually your father. Your father is a dude that I was messing with named Mookie. Wow. And Anthony Ramos is like, Mookie? What is this? And she says, you know, I was so wild and crazy. I didn't even know his government. <laughs> So that Mars Blackman in She's Gotta Have It, the television series, is canonically the son of Of Mookie Mookie from Do the Right Thing. Wow, that's dope. Yeah. That's dope. That's kind of that's kind of fly. Yeah. That is kind of fly. So I almost want to watch the show just so I can see that. I'm not. It's a mixed bag. Uh, Yeah. It's a mixed bag. But that's how that's kind of cool. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I can't think of any like black cinema what ifs that like I really am that interested in seeing how it played out in my head. You know, I think I can think. Yeah, nothing I can think of off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, not really. Yeah. But I mean, it's a good concept, it so is a good we'll concept. keep it around. Maybe yeah. something, and it, you know, who knows? The missionaries may come up with one. Of course. But thank you for the email, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Uh, we got another email mm-hmm. from Corey Nicole. Hey, Corey. 
answering Vincent's question, oh, what question on A.J. Johnson. Oh, right now. I always got time to talk about A.J. Johnson. Hi, Lennon Vince. This is a follow-up email from the last one I sent regarding why A.J. Johnson wasn't in Strictly Business. That's a good question. According to Dami Davison, who has a memoir out, believe it or not, and he does, and I've, I we yeah, read I the book. We read it. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Halle Berry was fired by the director of Strictly Business, who was not Kevin Hooks. The original director said they didn't want to cast Halle as Natalie um, because they were tired of seeing light-skinned black women play love interests in films, which we know Halle Berry is light-skinned. So the other choice was A.J. Johnson. But then the original director of Strictly Business was fired and replaced with Kevin Hooks. A.J. Johnson was then let go as well, thus Halle Berry getting the role of Natalie. That oh, that answers your question. Wow. That is interest, interesting turn of events Yeah, behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if on the low... And she'd ha- probably have no reason if they, if like AJ Johnson maybe harbored a little bit of animosity towards Halle because that, as far as I know, you think that's what launched Halle Berry's acting career? It did. I mean, yeah. say what you want about the movie. No, 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 no. I think you're. Well, I I think that to be fair, that and then she got it. She got a claim for um, where's the movie where she's with Samuel Jackson? She's a drug. Oh, Jungle Fever. Jungle Speaking Fever. Spike Lee. Yeah. So she got a claim for the for that. Then she's a lead in this. I don't remember which comes first. But I think that kind of like gets her started. And that certainly seems, at least as if I remember AJ Johnson's filmography, the closest she came to an opportunity of. Yeah, I mean, I mean well, I'm I'm well versed in AJ Johnson's filmography, actually. Um Yeah, after a house party, and then Kid and Play couldn't get her in-house party too because Kid and Play famously got full force and I think Tisha Campbell and Martin Lawrence rehired mm-hmm. because when they made House Party 2 I think they wanted to scrap the whole cast hold, hold on, except yeah. Kid and Play so after House Party I believe she doesn't show up again until the inkwell wow was that well, well, yeah, because that's a nice little stretch. The Inkwell is like the 90s. I, House Party is the 80s. Yeah. I mean, it's like the late 80s. Late 80s, but still. Uh, I was about to say, it can't be that hard to pull her up her filmography. Because, you know, it's like um, House Party, Inkwell, and then, you know, of course, her magnum opus, Baby Boy. Um. Let's see. What else is she in besides those three? So films? she does school. She does school days in nineteen ninety. Right, she's in school days. That's right. She doesn't know. She does. Yeah, she does school days in eighty eight. House party in ninety. Um, and then yeah, she doesn't show up again. Boy, you know your AJ Johnson, look, man. Uh, she look. does TV movies, but she doesn't show look. up on in the films until ninety four in the Inkwell. Look, and then. After the Inkwell, she doesn't show up again until 1998. In High Freak, F R E A K, let's see. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. She's DJ Venom in it. Oh, I love You may be one of you, freak. You may want to go uh, look that up. Look. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, 
And yeah. Then, and then and then baby and then boy. baby boy and yeah. blacklisted. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's I mean, that's that's absolutely And Inkwell is is a, is just a like Inkwell is just ridiculous. That's like Vanessa Bell Calloway, Phyllis yeah. Dickney. Now, in her defense in 93 from 95, because I'm looking here, she is in the main cast of a TV series, Sirens. I vaguely remember that. That was about the singers. Uh, I, I don't remember this. Sirens focus on the, on the work and lives of three rookie female police officers. What am I thinking about? She sure. uh, stars Jane Brooke, Adrian Joy Johnson, which was AJ, AJ. Yeah, was AJ. and uh, Lisa Snyder. Okay. Uh, despite receiving an Emmy nomination, the series was canceled by ABC after 13 episodes, but was picked up in syndication the following year with 22 episodes being produced and, and aired. Um, the syndicated had a different, slightly different cast, but AJ Johnson did reprise her role. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, shout out to AJ Johnson. Yes. I hope she's doing well. Yes, yes, yes. It's like a life coach, I think, now. Yeah, and a fitness trainer. A fitness trainer, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Corey continues in her email, can't okay. wait to hear the review of Candy Cane Lane. Oh, you're going to hear. <laughs> With Eddie Murphy. I was going to say this movie is... Somewhat of a boomerang reunion with Eddie, Reggie Hutland as the director, and an appearance by one David Allen Greer. Yeah, yeah. And that it definitely has been pointed out uh, by others. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Cor- uh, Corey Nicole. Thank, thank you for your Corey email. Nicole. And we got one last email. Okay. This is from Michael Sykes. Hey, what's up, Michael? Movies that he is requesting to add to the list. Okay. What we got? Let's see what's on Always your like list. that. Hey, Len. Hey, Vincent. This is Michael Sykes, your fan. I am so excited to see your review about Friday extra after next. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, this, that's not even just not till next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just hold oh, your horses. Yeah. It's next week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I guess he I guess he knows he's going to be out of town next week. So he <laughs> sent us the email. Right. Right. A week right, early. Right, right. I also have some great movies maybe uh, that I can recommend that okay. you pr- perhaps have never heard of. Please do. Like Honey Dripper, which stars Danny Glover, Charles Dutton, and Bondi Curtis Hall. You know this film? I've heard of this film. Never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Period piece, real prestige. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Had a short run, yeah. Um, Phantom Punch, featuring Ving Rhames and directed by Robert Townsend. I'm not familiar with that at all. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so. All right. Once in the Life, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Iman Walker, and Gregory Hines. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, this is one I we like de- that. this is one we know and has been shortlisted. Gang related with Tupac. Yes, because uh, that's um, Carl um, directed Devil in a Blue Dress. Oh, Carl Franklin. Yeah, I think that's Carl Franklin. Yeah. Uh, Obstacles, starring E-40 and Brian Hooks. Okay. One day. <laughs> Foolish, starring Eddie Griffin and Master P. Yeah, I'm never going to pick that. One day. <laughs> 
Stomp the yard. Yes, of course, stomp the yard. Of course, stomp the yard. Who doesn't want to watch a movie about 45-year-old actors playing college students stepping? <laughs> Don't you know? They stomp in the yard. <laughs> For fraternity supremacy through stepping. The Obama effect. Oh, what's that? Who's that? Obama. Is that a, is that a film? Yeah, but I don't think it was. It wasn't a feature film. Though. Right. Okay. I thought that was maybe documentary. Okay. Um, caught up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Ice T and Charles Dutton and yeah. Ernest Dickerson's Surviving the Game. That is on my. That's shortlist. been shortlisted. Yeah, yeah, that's on my. Sh- I actually forgot Ernest Dickerson directed that. Yeah, that has gotten even shorter on my list. I seem to remember really kind of like me too, me too, because I I thought, and and I remember well now I do remember Ernest Dickerson talking about basically casting Charles Dutton Mm -hmm. in the lead role of the dudes hunting right the dude because otherwise you'd have had a bunch of white dudes hunting a black guy and 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 just the and just the politics of it but. But they said by having Charles Dutton in there, it complicates it. And it does. It's kind of like Ernie Hudson plays the uh, great white hunter in Congo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, take your time with these. It's just something to add to y'all happy holidays list. Your fan, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Those are good ones. Those are very good yeah, ones. Those are Michael. nice. I forgot about some of those. Thank you very much. Yeah. We appreciate that, Michael. Mm, absolutely. Um, just to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, it, as we mentioned before, next week, or Michael mentioned, we're going to be reviewing Friday after next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, we are going to shut the show down for two weeks. Mm-hmm. We're going to take two weeks off at the end of the year to kind of like recharge our batteries and come back in the, I guess, technically the second week of January. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All ready to go as we begin. Start that march inching ever closer to episode 400. Does the march start? What episode are we on? We are on 376. Oh, yeah. So the march should start. We usually start, yeah. We at, usually start at, at 20, 75. At 75. But then yeah. because of the holiday, we, we thought maybe maybe we'll start like within 15 or 10. Yeah, yeah. We, no. gotta, we, we kind of nail maybe it down. Do, maybe do 20. Yeah, maybe twenty. That, that, that's probably something we should talk about in a meeting and not during the show. I'm just, I just started a meeting. Yeah, it hit the gavel. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess the march has started. It's, it's, it started, and we definitely have a couple of um, some okay. ideas, some yeah. special events that we want yeah, to pull yeah. out. Um, we're going to be doing a special event in January, mm-hmm. January twenty seventh. At World Cafe Live. Yes. To be specific, the lounge at World Cafe Live, Mm -hmm. when the Michelle Mission will be presenting a film screening of Love Jones. Love Jones. Mm -hmm. And doing a live podcast right there. Tickets are on sale now at worldcafelive.com. Come out. Enjoy Love Jones with us. You know you haven't seen it on a big screen. Mm -hmm. In who knows how long, if you've ever even saw it on a big screen. Now's your time to see it on a big screen and enjoy some wine and food and Vince and I 
and Dylan. There'll be a Dylan sighting at the at World Cafe Live for Love Jones, our live podcast. Like grainy footage of him walking. <laughs> it's just walking through the woods <laughs> of the Pacific Northwest. We can have like some anthropologists and scientists on arguing about whether or not he's a hoax. <laughs> you can see the zipper. You can see the zipper. Does Dylan actually exist? Here's the funny thing. It'll be like a dude and it'll say scientist. Here's the th- here's the funny thing, though. If you had him in the grainy footage, I actually have a friend named Steve Austin. Steve Austin. We could have the six million dollar yeah. man. Yeah, kind of kind of speak on it. <laughs> speak on it. So, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, January 27th at the Lounge at World Cafe Live. The Michelle Mission presents a film screening of Love Jones, followed by a live uh, podcast ticket on sale at worldcafelive.com right now. Absolutely. All right. All right. I also want to invite you to check out a podcast that has been put out by the company that I, you know, graciously work for. Mm hmm. Push Black. Mm-hmm. We've got a new podcast, a new narrative true crime podcast, The Stolen Girls of Americas. It's all about a true story that happened in 1963 when 15 black girls were kidnapped from a protest at a movie theater and held captive for 45 days against their will. It's a sto- it's an untold story of a racial violence uh, against black black girls black women and it's a story about how these girls rallied together in sisterhood and their mothers did the same to solve this uh this mystery it's a five-part series that's available wherever you find podcasts right now all five episodes are are up and available and now that all five episodes are are up we just began like really promoting it so we will just kicking it out by word of mouth but now we just started promoting it and just last night we started promotion and in less than 24 hours the podcast is number 65 in the history podcast um fantastic uh uh section of apple um and skyrocketing on up the stolen girls of America's. Mm-hmm. Please check it out wherever you find podcasts. I'm guaranteeing you will enjoy, and it's a story that needs to be told. Um, you did some voice work for this, right? I, I, I along with being a producer yeah. on the oh, show, yeah. I I do do some voice work. So if you enjoy Lynn's voice, as we all do, this is another way to hear it. It'll be interesting because I actually play a white man in the in on this. Hey, you darkies! What are you doing protesting this theater? Oh, is if, that you? Oh, 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 if only I was just saying darkies. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Lynn, are you using crude language? Ooh. Ooh. Ben Webb. Texas T. As you've never heard him before. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you never heard it like this. Mm. Yeah. Woo. So, yeah, it was very traumatic. All right. Anyway, so so check that out. Absolutely. All right, let's get on with it. It's time for us to get into the top five. Top five. Who's your top five? 
top five is top five, ladies and gentlemen, where I come up with a list. I tell Vincent all about it, and then he tells you the first things that come to his mind based on this list. Now, Vincent. Yes, sir. Try to keep this in theme. Thematic. We're going to be reviewing Candy Cane Lane. We are. Which is all about Eddie Murphy's character trying to win contests so that he can provide the best Christmas for his family and get them the gifts that they deserve. And then you watch the film and you find out exactly they had the gifts that they deserved all along. Which was love. <laughs> come on, come on. So keeping it in theme, yeah. I present to you mm-hmm. the top five worst Christmas gifts. Top five worst Christmas gifts. Now, this is from a a website, Board Panda. Okay. Dot com that sent out a solicitation for people to to uh, write in and tell them about the worst gifts that they ever had. Okay. Right. Interesting. So these and and I, I think they got something like about two hundred, three hundred, like you know responses. So these are actual gifts. These are these are actual gifts these are actual gifts but but more to the point these are actual the the story because sometimes the gift itself isn't bad but it's the story story behind it it's the story behind it all right so number five number five and all and and all this is these are the stories it didn't take the people's names so number five is a uh a little stuffed angel cherub mm-hmm. with pink wings and yarn hair. It was a little Christmas ornament. Okay. The story behind this is, the, the writer says, when I was eight or nine years old, my grandma gave me a Christmas ornament. Okay. It was a little stuffed cherub with pink cheeks and yarn hair. I cried like crazy because I had saved up my allowance to buy that chair for her the year before. Oh, so grandma regifted his crappy gift. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. That is horrible, but maybe you should have bought grandma a better gift. He was eight or nine years old, Vincent. I mean, he was old enough to know like you and you were eight or nine years old. You knew when you liked a gift. Eight or nine years old, eight or nine years old, you you say and he saved up his money mm-hmm. to get this Christmas mm-hmm. ornament mm-hmm. for his for his mm-hmm. grandchild. My question is, what did, what did he give grandma next year? I bet he gave her a better gift. I bet he gave her back the ornament. I bet he didn't. You you don't think that that's that's you think he's he's tough the, love. Tough love. I'm team grandma. Can't wait till Adam starts buying Christmas gifts. <laughs> I can't wait. What's number four? I'll be right there. Bring this garbage in here. <laughs> Give it right back to you. Now what have you learned? Bam. Number four. Number four. A knit scarf. Knit scarf. Okay. So one year my mother-in-law asked, nay, demanded that I knit a scarf for her for Christmas. 
She was very specific on colors and style and called several times during December to check on the status of it. What? She opened it up on Christmas Day and was absolutely delighted with it and immediately put it on. She was very ecstatic. Then she started to hand out her presents. Tons of stuff to the kids, my husband, her husband, her other son, and her other daughter-in-law. Nothing for me. I feel like there's a lot of information missing from this. Then I heard, oh my God, I forgot presents for you. And I turned around and found that she was talking to my cat. She bought the cat presents. No, I did not get anything. That's bad. I feel like there's some missing details. Like, like, what do you like, mean like, like missing details? Just a super villain? It certainly sounds like it. She's Mother Doom. Maybe her husband hates her. What's the husband got to do with it? Because his mom is is giving you nothing. But the mom begged her to knit her a scarf. Is she Rumpelstiltskin? No, not Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin was the was the little magic man. Yeah, who are you trying to come up with? I guess the woman who actually did the knitting. What was the woman's name in Rumpelstiltskin? The woman in Rumpelstiltskin? Right, right, because Rumpelstiltskin was, was... You're thinking of Rapunzel. No, Rapunzel has the hair. Oh. I, but I thought she knitted the... No, she... remember old girl had to knit straw into gold, and she didn't. She couldn't. So then she she made the deal with the little devil leprechaun man and said, I'll give you my child if I can knit the straw in the gold. Is that Rapunzel? I mean, is that uh, That's Rumpelstiltskin? Rumpelstiltskin? That's Rumpelstiltskin. And then she was like, oh, so what's and, the and then he was name? like, right, who will turn in? Because then he was like, if you guess my name, I'll give you your child back. But then she couldn't guess his name because who can guess somebody's name? But then he was doing like a little dance. Ha ha, I'm Rumpelstiltskin. And I got your baby. <laughs> I think the point is folk tales are weird. <laughs> What's number three? Uh, well, now you got me wanting to look up Rumpelstiltskin because I want to find out the, the woman's name. Um, it doesn't even give her name. It just says that a miller brags to the king and people that he lives in the claim right, his her daughter. father got her jammed up running his mouth. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't give her name. Damn. It was tough being an unnamed girl in a folktale. Is that a Brothers Grimm tale? Yes. Yeah, I was about to say, that feels Brothers Grimmy. All right. Number three. Number three. Was a... Uh, DVD of the Titanic. Okay. Wait for it. All right. It was actually a pirated copy. Okay. Already seen it before twice. It was not in any type of case. It just had Titanic written in marker on it. So it was just, you know, like right, a, right. at home DVD. It didn't belong to the person who gave it as a gift. Mm -hmm. And the DVD was scratched and didn't play. Was the person that gave you the gift addicted to crack cocaine? I just asked the hard-hitting questions. I asked the questions that other people are afraid to ask. I feel like there's crack involved. 
because it's a DVD, which, you know, now you know it's the 90s. And all this passing things back and forth. Hey, man, I got a gift for you. It sounds very crackish. Because I thought he was going to say, they gave me the DVD, but then when I went to play the DVD, my DVD player had disappeared. (laughs) So now you've mixed it with like an O. Henry story and crack. Number two. Number two. The Christmas after my grandmother passed away. My my aunt gave us all the various and sundry junk that she cleaned out of my grandma's house as presents, but signed the tags with my grandma's name. So it was grandma's garbage from beyond. So I got a rusty, broken bell ornament from my dead grandma that Like in the trailer for an A24 film that's coming out next November. <laughs> My grandma was dead. When the bell broke. My A24. Ease. <laughs> oh, God. Mm, starring Emma Stone. Right, right. <laughs> Number one. Number one. Worst Christmas gift. They've been pretty bad so far. Last year, my boyfriend gave him a heart, and the very next year, he gave it away. Got me a can of pears for Christmas. I mean, does she like pears? It don't matter. Pears are delicious. Boom, I rest my case. Are you serious? No further questions. Are you? No further questions, I rest my case. A can of pears. Your honor, permission to treat the witnesses hostile. (laughs) Pears are delicious. Does Wendy like pears? What's the deal to do with Wendy? Does Wendy like pears? Yes. You know why? Because pears are delicious. Okay. I want to see what happens if you show up with a can of pears. pears. I'm just why saying. Not? They're delicious. They are delicious. So why can't you give her pears as a, as a gift? I could if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I don't think pears are worse than crackhead DVD or ghost ornament. <laughs> I don't know. That, that, that sounds weird, worse to me. A can of pears? A can of pears? They're delicious. That's the top five, ladies and gentlemen. Vanilla ice cream, warm it up a little bit. That's probably got yourself a little something happening. No. No. I'm just saying. Anyway, that's the top five. All right. And we're going to keep this moving. We're going to get into Six Degrees of Derville Martin. What's his name? Derville Martin. (laughs) Derville Martin. Oh, hello. (laughs) Nice. Six Degrees of Derville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where Mm -hmm. I will give Vincent 
an actor and he has six films or less to connect them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the best Christmas gift ever. Mm-hmm. Durville Martin. Durville Martin. That's right. Keeping it in theme, Vincent. Keeping it in theme. Number one, mm-hmm. the famous Eddie. A famous Eddie. So it's six movies or less. Mm-hmm. Connect Durville Martin. Durville Martin. To Eddie Redmayne. What is that? You just making up names? What is- you just making up names? Eddie Johasafit. Well, what is that? Is this a real actor? Yes, it's a real actor. He's Who's a, been in things? A, Academy Award winning actor. Let me see his face. Oh, why do I know him? Whoa, whoa, let me see his face again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Why do I see him in old-timey clothes? Hmm? You're about right. Yeah. Oh, with like a wand. Oh, he's in Harry Potter. Not Harry Potter. You gotta get it. The um what's 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 the one the, the prequel to the money grab? Um You gotta at least get the first Fantastic Beast. There you go. Okay. Now we got something <laughs> to work with. Isn't Carmen a Jugu in one of those? Mm, let's see. Uh, yes. Right, because I was like, oh, it's a black person in Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. Now I got something to work with. All right. What's his name? Eddie what? Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. All right, <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so ignorant. All right, let's... <laughs> Let's just, how are we going to get to Eddie, Eddie Redmayne? <laughs> yes, Eddie Redmayne. Redmayne of like the Ohio Redmaines? Sure, sure, why not? Um, all right. I'll keep it in theme too. I'll keep it in theme too because Duravel Martin. How do I want to do this? How am I going to do this? Dur Bell Martin is in All right, because I'm getting a Carmen and so I'm really gonna get to Carmen Ejugu probably from Sparkle. Get to her from Spark. Okay. Oh, here you go. Let's have some fun. So Durville Martin is in the final come down with Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams is in Lady Sings of Blues. With Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor is in Richard Pryor is in maybe being too cute. 
Well, Richard Pryor is in um, Harlem Nights with Eddie Murphy. <coughs> Eddie Murphy is in... So I've done three. Eddie Murphy... You're trying to get the sparkle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Eddie Murphy is in You People with Michael Epps. Mike Epps. Mike Epps is in Sparkle with Carmen Ujugu, who is in Fantastic Beasts with Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne, which is an actual real person. He is a, he is a real person. I know he is. He won an Academy Award for portraying a real person. What, what, what's that? What he, he portrayed Stephen Hawkins in the My Theory of Everything. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? No. no, no, I did see that. Did you? No, I did see it. Did you? I did. Really? I did. Did you? I did. I said I did see it. I, I had to think about it. I did see it. It was okay. Uh-huh. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's a, do I have another famous Eddie? No. Do I have another famous Eddie? You don't have a, a famous Eddie. Uh, next up is a famous Murphy. Oh. I did there. So in six movies or less. Famous Murphy. Connect Derville Martin. Derville Martin. To... Killian Murphy. Oh, Killian Murphy. Okay. Okay. Well, Killian Murphy, you get him a couple of ways because he's he Scarecrow and y'all's Chris Nolan's Batman. But I like him better in the Chris Nolan film that I really like. Oppenheimer? No. Um, Inception. Mm-hmm. He's in Inception. So this is how we'll get to him. So Derville Martin... Is in um five on the black hand side with Dick Anthony Williams. Dick Anthony Williams is in the jerk with Steve Martin. Steve Martin is in a movie that I'm going. I'm going. We gonna watch in in January because I got to wash all this terrible Eddie Murphy <laughs> taste out of my mouth. So we're gonna watch Norbit. No, we're gonna watch Bowfinger, which oh, is in thing. That's with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is in um Coming to America with Samuel Jackson who is in um Django Unchained with Leo DiCaprio who is in Inception with Killian Murphy. Yeah. I like him. Oh, I do. Like oh, him. I like Killian Murphy. I, I did. I can't really do Peaky Blinders. I know so. you said you can't. Yeah, do I, it. I just, it just didn't. Hey, maybe I'll try it again. I mean, Should I try it again? Do you like it? I, I liked it. I finished it. I love the series. Is it over? Yeah, it's over. Did, did they? How did they do with the ending? I think they. I think. I think they did okay at the ending, but I also think they stayed one year too long. My but, nephew really liked Peaky Blinders. I just, I just could not it was, get into it. It was good. I, I, I enjoyed it. Okay, I did enjoy it. I, I like Peaky Blinders. I like that Killian Murphy. Oh, Killian Murphy is yeah, he, he's all right. He's good, man. Very good. Mm-hmm. There you go. Very nice. And now let's get to the most famous Eddie Murphy of them all. Yes, yes. As we yes. get into our review of Candy Cane. Lane. Yes, yes. All right, here we go. Candy can. We'll be right back with our movie review. 
after we step to these messages. Listen, this is important. I'm going to show you guys something. And when I show you what I'm going to show you, don't freak out. I can explain. It's magic! It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas! High stakes as neighbors compete for best decorated house on the block. I think this is the house to beat. Wow. What's your Christmas wish? I just want to win this thing. I'll take it. Signature, please. Ignore all the fine print. It's like you're signing your life away. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Oh, it will be. Rise and shine, naughty boy. What the hell is all of this? Something's happening. Good morning, sir. Are you real? We all were, until we fell into that elf sick trap. You made your wish. You're in it now. I didn't sign on for this. You literally signed on for this. You gotta read the fine print, man. The terms of service are brutal. Say goodbye to your dad. Why are y'all just like Prince? We're not going to let her turn your dad into one of those weird Happy Meal toys. No offense, I'm sorry. None taken. A little taken. We are the Carvers. We got to catch an elf. You met with the wrong family. We split up. What do you mean we should split up? Have you never watched a horror film? If you split up, somebody dies. Have you ever died? Oh? It is not fun. That's true. I'd never died, but mom knows. I didn't know you'd die before. Let's go find these rings. Is that who I think it is? Oh my God, Black Santa! New Santa with Black, man! A man is determined to win his neighborhood's annual Christmas decorating contest. He makes a pact with an elf to help him win and the elf casts a spell that brings the 12 days of Christmas to life, which brings unexpected chaos to town. That is the synopsis of Candy Cane Lane, a new film out for the holidays on Amazon Prime and starring one Eddie Murphy, Tracy Ellis Ross, Jenea Walton, Thaddeus Mixon, and Madison Thomas as the Carver family, a family that is, boy, they are steeped in Christmas. And we're going to tell you all about it in Vincent's selection for tonight's stop on the Michaud mission. Vincent, this film was directed by Reginald Hudlin. Yes. What do you have to say about Candy Cane Lane? I guess the first thing to say about Candy Cane Lane is that I was not disappointed. Okay. Because what I always say is disappointment implies 
expectation. And I had no expectations for this film whatsoever. If, if we include Dolomite is my name, mm-hmm. this is now Eddie Murphy's <coughs> fourth streaming service outing. Okay. In film, you, you know, after Dolomite is my name, we had, um, coming to America, mm-hmm. the sequel to the, the classic film coming to America. And of course, um, you people. Oh yes. Okay. Last year. And, and as good as Dolomite as my name was, the returns diminished very quickly afterwards. I, On I, the subsequent films. Yes. I think, you know, coming to America had, a lot of problems. And frankly, the biggest problem was Eddie Murphy's energy mm-hmm. that he brought to it. Uh, we, we talked about on, on the show, all of the talent that was squandered in talk to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you people and you people, but besides this carrying on this unfortunate pattern of lackluster results from Eddie Murphy. There's, there's really no nice way to say what I'm about to say. I don't understand how this film got made. Really? Okay. Dolomite is my name, passion project, the, 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 the passion, the energy, everything about Dolomite is my name you wonder you 100% understand how Eddie Murphy sold this mm-hmm. to Netflix and then you get the this wonderful film mm-hmm. coming to America even during the um interview sessions or, or rather that, that interview cycle where Eddie Murphy was talking Eddie Murphy talked about it. it's a classic film people have been asking him to do a sequel to coming to America since coming to America came out right. so it, you, you know I understand how you sell coming to America to Amazon it was pre-sold you people Kendra Barris <laughs> is is a, is a pretty hot name he's coming off of the blackish universe mm-hmm. um You've got Julia Louise Dreyfus and Eddie Murphy. Again, I understand that. There is nothing about this film. There is nothing about this film that I that makes me understand why Eddie Murphy wanted to be involved with it. As you said, he he plays his character Chris, who Loves Christmas. This is the extent of what we are told about why he loves. He just loves Christmas. He's got this very, speaking of Kenya Bears, this very sort of cookie cutter, by the numbers, almost sitcom family. Not almost. With Tracy Ellis Ross, who... You guys can just cut and paste this because I'm going to say this about every cast member almost in this film is utterly wasted. Like I was so confused by Tracy Ellis Ross playing a character that she basically played 
for seven years, not well. Mm-hmm. Like she's, you, you know, she plays his wife and there's no chemistry. None. There's no energy between them. Tracy Ellis Ross could have been played by a cardboard cutout of Tracy Ellis Ross. Eddie Murphy's character gets fired, which has no real bearing on the overall plot. Nope. He's just fired, but he loves Christmas. They live on one of these streets where people argue or or people kind of compete with each other for uh for for bragging rights right for christmas decoration you know know, we have the best christmas decorations Mm -hmm. his main rival played by ken marino yeah a comedic actor whose work i have enjoyed for years who completely wasted in this film He's, you know, he's in four or five scenes, but he might not have been there. He might as well he have not, have not been, been, there. been there. Yeah, yeah. Long story short, and this really is a long story short, Eddie Murphy becomes, Eddie Murphy's character, Chris, becomes super invested in winning the Christmas light, the Christmas decoration contest. Mm-hmm. Ends up going to a mysterious shop. Right. Where he basically sells his soul to what we find out is a rogue elf. And missionaries, let me just tell you, this description of her as a rogue elf is more exciting than anything that this character Pepper played by Jillian Bell. Another comedic actress whose work I have enjoyed. Mm -hmm. But are you ready, Lynn? It's completely squandered. In this film, Eddie Murphy realizes that the deal that he makes with her, or rather, Chris realizes a deal that that he makes with this rogue elf to have the best decorations. He's basically sold his soul, and he's going to turn into an animated figure, like a figurine. If he doesn't get the five rings from the song, from the 12 days of Christmas song, you know, the five golden rings. And he'll be turned into this animated figurette that she already has collected. The figures that she's collected, the three people that stand out, Chris Red Mm -hmm. from Saturday Night Live, who I have to say, Chris Red, bless his little heart, does the (laughs) best he He can can do. Yes. Robin Thede, yeah, of the Black Lady Sketch Show, who I love, is so squandered. It took me forty-five minutes before I realized it was Robin Thede. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I know her voice, so I know it. Like, and Nick Offerman, Offerman. who I love, who. I didn't know it was Nick Offerman until the film went off. I know. I know. That is 100% true. It's 100% true. High jinx. Well, middle jinx. Well, low jinx Mm. ensue. At some point, David Allen Greer shows up, as everyone has said, as Santa Claus. It boggles my mind that you can have David Allen Greer and Eddie Murphy in scenes together and it's boring. I'm not laughing. 
I don't even know how you pull this off. And again, I just, I just don't understand how this came together. Because Reginald Hudlin is a very seasoned director at this point. I know the easy thing to say is that, you know, well, maybe Eddie Murphy is over the hill. Maybe he's lost it. Maybe, you know, I think that's sort of the easy, easy answer. Yeah. Yeah. And the only reason I hesitate to say that is because my favorite aspect is I, I, I just mentioned a moment ago. My favorite aspect of these new Eddie Murphy vehicles is that Eddie Murphy goes on the talk show circuit. Yeah. And he is effortlessly charming and funny every time he is on a talk show. He was on the um Jimmy Kimmel. The Jimmy Kimmel show a couple of weeks ago. Team Michelle, we sent that clip back and forth. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy just sat on a sofa for that segment was 50. Do you realize that segment was 15 minutes? A 15 minute segment of Eddie Murphy just sitting in a chair talking. Mm-hmm. And when it was over, I wanted to, I was like, oh, don't cut the commercial. Please, Eddie Murphy, please just talk some more. But I don't know what is going on with Eddie Murphy in front of the camera over the past four or five years. I just, I just do not understand it. Is there anything about this film that I liked? As I mentioned, Chris Red, I think, does the best he can. And, and I kind of give Chris Red as much credit as I give anyone. Um, Jillian Bell as Pepper is not enough to save this movie, no. but I like her when she's on. Okay. Daniel Pinnock. Mm. Daniel Pinnock plays. Uh, so, so again, the, the, the neighborhood is embroiled in this contest. There's a local, I guess they're like a, like a cable, like a yeah. local cable show. It's like news personalities. Mm-hmm. And she plays one of the hosts and she has this wonderful chaotic energy that I actually was waiting for a third act reveal where she was also a rogue elf because she is doing her own thing. That's true. And I wanted to know more about the thing she was doing. (laughs) But besides that, this movie just made me sad. Wow. Like I was just sad by the end of it. Yeah, I um <clears throat> I wish I cared enough about it to be sad. Uh but I don't. Um I too was disappointed by the f- Well, no. You're right. To say that you're disappointed denotes that you had expectations. Right. And I didn't really have any expectations of the film. Um, and I do remember the clip that we send around about Eddie Murphy on Jimmy Kimmel and he was funny on Jimmy Kimmel. However, what I also noticed on, uh, his appearance on Jimmy Kimmel, that Eddie Murphy has slipped into almost the old Raycon, uh, rock on tour vibe okay you know like when he goes on these on these shows um 
first of all, he's going on he's going on these shows with almost all of the hosts are younger, much younger than him. Right. And they're in awe of him. So they're in awe of him. Yeah. Right. He he it, 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 when I was young and I used to watch um the Johnny Carson show, mm-hmm. right? Jack Benny would go on his show. Jack Benny is a, a, a huge comedian from the early part, from the 40s and 50s, ladies and gentlemen. Huge. And he was Johnny Carson's hero. Yeah. And by the time Johnny Carson in the 70s was doing the show, uh, Jack Benny was, he was on the other side of his career. Mm-hmm. He was just doing, you know, Las Vegas shows or whatever. But whenever he went on that show, you could see that Johnny Carson was just, I'm here in front of Jack Benny. It didn't know, matter how often he was. And that's how all of these guys, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, Fallon yeah. all mm-hmm. of them, this is Steve Colbert. This is how they all look at Eddie Murphy. And rightfully so. Sure, sure. He's because earned that. He has earned, he has earned his mm-hmm. laurels in that way. But he has also slipped into that gear. Mm-hmm. And that gear that you saw during that appearance on Jimmy Kimmel, because while we we shared the clip about the story that he tells, because he tells this great story about dating Lola Falana. You know what he did with Lola Falana? If you really watch it again, the facts of the story are funny. Mm-hmm. But he's not really delivering the story. Interesting. He's kind of just... He's telling it. And because the facts are funny, you're like, oh, my God. Right. But he's just like, yeah, well, you know. Right. right. And and that is his that is his the mode that he's slipped into. He was energized for Dolomite is my name, because like you said, that was a passion project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, It, it, it was a passion project, but it was also the project by which he I think he since this is going to also kind of like let people know that I still got it right a bit. So he had, he had something to prove if I decide to actually lace up my shoes. Right. right. You know, because remember the talk coming out of Dolomite was that, okay, now that I've done that, now I'm going to get back on stage. I'm going to go, right. go do, do some shows, you right. know, the, the, the get set up for a big uh, comedy, a comedian return. That never happened. No. Because he fell right into that groove, man. He fell right into that groove after it. Because after Dolomite is then is my name, they threw money at him. You've been talking about coming to America. Let's make it happen. The pandemic was, you know, looking like it was bubbling up. We need something that can happen. You can knock this out in a couple couple of weeks. Sure. Yeah. And he's been in that mode ever since. Ever since you people and all the way down to Candy Cane Lane, where Candy Cane Lane is actually is him not trying to relive classic Eddie Murphy. He's trying to just relive the family guy, Eddie Murphy um, moment in his life, because he did have that time in his life when he was Dr. Doolittle and he was doing films, films of that nature for, for the family. He's just trying to like tap into that. But vibe. at least he had energy. In but, but I'm saying he's, he's trying to tap into that, yeah. but you can't, when you, he does not get out of gear, man. You yeah, can, and you can see, and the unfortunate thing is you could see him Forcing it a little bit. There are moments when yeah. he, he tries to force it 
and it just doesn't it doesn't go. It, yeah. there, there's there's nothing there. No, there isn't. There's absolutely nothing there. So when you've got Eddie Murphy as your lead, which means that he is going to be in on almost eighty five percent of the scenes in this movie. Yeah, and he's stuck in like you know, like third gear. Say second. Well, just second. Yeah, he's really puttering along. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, oh man, oh man. It's it's so now everybody else, Chris Red, you're right. Pops off the pops off the screen in a little form. Right. But he's he's he does work. To be to be honest, it doesn't help that this script is badly written, but more than that. It is stuffed with plot. There's so much. He gets fired. The, Tracy Ellis Ross it's, uh, possibly has a, 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 a promotion, but based on whether or not she can um, hey. schmooze some, some uh, accounts. Son is a tuba player that's failing math. They're failing math. They don't really like his music. The, the daughter doesn't want to go to UFC. She's a track star, but she wants to go to Notre Dame. The little the little girl maybe is losing the, the spirit of Christmas. The 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 three dollar Alec Baldwin brother, stepbrother across the street, um, who's his, who's his rival. You know, there's supposed to be some big rivalry that doesn't really go right. anywhere because he leaves the movie for for a moment. And then maybe we're going to get money from the contest, but then come to find out there's no money involved in the contest. Right. And you learn that before the end of the, like right. way before the end of the movie. So, and tacos. so now you've lost, you've lost any interest in that. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he buys the, the ornaments, the stuff from the elf, from the elf. And then that goes, goes awry. And there's a, <laughs> Just to show you how dumb this movie is, there's a there's a scene there's a scene where you see that dude's house has an alarm system. And it looks like an elaborate alarm system. Yet the elf comes walking into the house to talk to the little figures, real life glass figures that he stole from her store, and say, "Y'all coming back with me?" Well, you know what? On second thought. No, you're not. And then she leaves. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is happening? There's so much st it's stuffed in this film. It makes absolute sense that Reginald Hudlin, a seasoned director, he don't even know where to point his camera half the time in this movie. It is, it is. I, I, and the thing is, I actually just listened to a review of this film from some people that review Christmas films. So they're all in gear for, right, for Christmas movies. Yeah, this is this is their thing. The Christmas people. And 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 when they reviewed this, and I and I and I listened to their review before I watched it. Um because because it, it, it was the last week. And they liked the movie. So I'm like, okay, so maybe so maybe on just a silly Christmas movie level this movie works and that's all I'm going in for to this film for. It doesn't even work on that level because the story is so hackneyed and the, the lessons learned are so forced in at the end. There, there, 
In one of his interviews, Eddie Murphy talked about he wanted to have a film that basically would be a classic film. That would be like a return to. And he actually name checked something like Elf. Elf, exactly. Which is. Would you think about something like Elf, which is really kind of a silly movie. Yes, it is. But A. um, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell is balls to the wall in that thing. And at the height of his powers. At the height That's of the his other powers. other thing to remember. B, there is a bit of melancholy in there. Like, like you know, he's been, does he get kidnapped? Or like, like, like they kind of send him back. Yeah, to yeah. I think they right. send him back or something like that. Yeah, Send him back so he has to reconnect with his family. Like there are real stakes. Christmas story. For all of the talk of Christmas story, like, like he, like it's bloody. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's the gun, and it's like you know, there's heft in a lot of these movies. Yes, which you always need to balance against. John McClane ain't even had no shoes on. He's crawling over glass. So for a Christmas movie, it's gotta have. Look, it's so it's so funny we're, we're, we've gone down this this route because I I read uh, um an essay about. It's a Wonderful Life a couple okay. of weeks ago. And, and the essay rightfully pointed out that because so many people haven't actually watched It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. like from beginning to end, like you just see like that last little moment yeah. where he comes home and, and the bell rings and, oh, daddy, you know, and it's like that kind of saccharine sweet. People don't understand. That's just like the last half hour. This is a film about a man who is actively trying to commit suicide. Yes. Yeah. And the angel is trying to convince him not to commit suicide. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is a real debate. Yeah. For like an hour. Yeah. yeah. Where the angel shows him things. He's like, okay, but I still want to kill myself. Yeah. There's a reason why a Christmas carol lends itself so easily to horror. Because Christmas Carol, it, it is a scary AF film. Something like Scrooge, which in my mind is the best adaptation of a Christmas Carol. Oh, okay. But it is. It's dark. It's very, very. You gotta have stakes. You, you gotta. Ha- you 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 all you you gotta have the stakes. But you also have to, if you want it to be classic. There's got to be, you've you've got to cut out the story, like all these 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 mindless like 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 limbs. You need to cut this bare bones. Elf is the story of Elf. Right. Christmas Story. Actually, when you watch that movie, it's a bunch of like vignettes that happen. But the central theme, the through line, the through line is the gift. It's it's the wagon. You this movie. I mean the gun, right? Yeah. This movie, everything is like up here, and they try to pay off everything, and right. it just doesn't. Right, like you just sold your soul for Christmas decorations. That's enough. You are about to lose your life and be consigned to the body horror mm-hmm. of being a living doll. That's the. That's movie. it. Let's go. That's all you that's need. All you. That's all you need. And quite a skip. You didn't need three kids. No, you didn't. No, you didn't at all. 
I don't know. Right. Maybe, maybe the one little girl. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's in, in a lot of ways. I don't like reviews like this because this is a type of review where we could just sit here and point to all of the missteps, the misfires, Mm -hmm. the badly executed aspects of this film. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I, 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 it got to the point. I was just happy to see something that I, like I said, I really did like Danielle Pinnock, like, like her as, as this, you know, and, and you know, and she, she slipped her son in here somehow, and yeah, she was she was cute. She got yeah. a little grating on on me. Oh, but, I liked her, but she was cute. I like she was a lifeline for me. <laughs> she, and then when she said, "Oh, I didn't mention that the hundred thousand dollars is going to be paid in tacos," I said, "See, that's the kind of chaos I'm looking for." I I, I liked the, the, her partner in that Timothy Simons. I, well, I liked him bouncing off of yeah. Off, of this mad person mm-hmm. that somehow his agent has signed him up to be sitting in here with her. I know. Like you said, I went to the Columbia School of Journalism. <laughs> I liked him. Yeah. I liked him. And I will say, I I really didn't laugh in this movie, except, except when the six geese are laying mm-hmm. and you just see them firing Eggs out of their out of their boom boom from the air boom 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 just that, that was, made you laugh it it made me laugh that made me sad because this was a wonderful opportunity for physical humor from Tracy Ellis Ross and yeah who again is wasted for seven years she showed she could very much be a physical comedian on Blackish I don't know how. You give Tracy Ellis Ross an opportunity to jump around and act silly, and she doesn't. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I wasn't even sad. I was just confused. (laughs) Speaking of confusion, would you recommend Candy Cane Lane? I wouldn't. I wouldn't, and and it pains me. It feels bad to say that, right? Because it's because because. Like you said, it's, it's the type of review you don't like doing because I also recognize that there is a wide swath of our audience or the audience in general that is going to watch this movie, especially on Christmas Day. Yeah. And it's going to sit there and just, you know, look, look, enjoy it for what it is. Watch Jingle Jangle again. It's always time for Jingle Jangle. Yeah, well, because it's always time for. Nigga Noni Rose. <laughs> it's always Nigga Noni Rose isn't even in it that much. But enough. But what she said. <laughs> no, no, no. You know I love Jingle Jangle. No, love, no, no, no. It, 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 and I and I did like yeah. Jingle Jangle. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Watch Jingle Jangle. Watch Jingle Jangle again. But and the preacher's wife. The preacher's wife. Another film with like like we were thinking about that. Like you know, I mean, you know, obviously the the plot is from the bishop's wife, right? But still, it's like you understand. This is a movie about an angel who's trying to steal this man's wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This man who has committed the sin of trying to help people. It's pretty dark. I know. I know. 
So, Eddie, I have to say, the, the search continues, my friend, for your classic Christmas movie. I mean, besides trading places. Well, they, well you're right. There you go. Well, there you go. There you go. Watch Jingle Jangle. Watch Trading Places. And? Watch Please. A Preacher's Wife. There's your Christmas. There's your Christmas right There's there. There's your Christmas. All right? And he's talking to you, Eddie. You watch Jingle Jangle, D- Trading Places, and... Do you think Richard Eddie has seen a complete cut of this film? Me either. <laughs> no. Me either. I, I just get, I, I get the sense... I, I, you know, I do think Eddie Murphy is a consummate professional. Yeah. Like, I think he's where he's supposed to be. He shoots what he's supposed to shoot. But, yeah, I, I don't see Eddie Murphy watching this. Yeah, I don't think this, like, kept him. Yeah. Got him out of his trailer much. Right, right. Well, again, and after it's done, you know. Next. Yeah. All right. All right. So that is our review of Candy King Lane, ladies and gentlemen. Before we tell you that we're reviewing Friday After Next next week, I invite you to... I invite you to follow the Michelle Mission on the social media of your choice, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or... I can't even say it. Twitter, or Twixix, whatever it is. Instagram and Facebook. At Michelle Mission. You can also subscribe to the Michelle Mission on YouTube at Michelle Mission, where you can hit the bell, be notified when we have new videos going up. We actually put up um, a video of our review of Boxing Day and our review of Othello went up and a top five when um, we broke down what films certain actors should delete from their resume. Mm. So that that video went up and there'll be more videos going up um, over the next couple of weeks because I've got time now. So that's what we're going to be doing. The Michelle Mission is also a proud member of The Podglomerate. Thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work there. The podcast network that we have been um, proud to be called home for now over six years. Um, they picked us up in our very first year and have been with us every step of the way. So shout out to Jeff and all of the team at Podglomerate. Hope you guys are enjoying your holiday. The Michelle Mission is also filmed live from Young Chunk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace here in Maniunk. You can hit up Dylan at yunkjunk.com. That's D-Y-L-A-N at yunkjunk.com to book your time in one of the fabulous studios that we have here. Shout out to Dylan and to Terry and all the guys and gals at Yunk Junk. Thank you for making this our video home for the Michelle Mission. If you have thoughts and concerns, please email us at mission at gmail.com so that we, we can check it out and perhaps your email will be read here on air. Subscribe to the Michelle Mission also wherever you find podcasts, whether it be Apple, Spotify. It doesn't matter if you find a podcast, you get a podcast there, Pandora, you know, uh, uh, tune in iHeartRadio. The Michelle Mission is there. Like it and follow us. Subscribe so that you don't miss an uh, an episode 
And please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple because that really helps people find our show. Next week, we buried the lead. We are going to be closing out the year of 2023 with a review of a film that I bet you didn't know was a Christmas film. I didn't know until I looked up Christmas films and I said, lo and behold, Friday After Next is a Christmas film. I've never seen it and I can't wait to watch it and review it with you next week here on the Michelle Mission. Till then, he's Vincent. I'm Len. Get well, Ariel. And in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb with co-production by Mo Poplar, music by Alexa Gold, and filmed at the Video Content Factory. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network.